Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm, the only podcast where niche is neat. I'm your producer, Ben, alongside your director, Matt, and we got a boom digger of a show for you, don't we, Matt? Yeah, we do. As you can as you can feel the deeply powerful energy coming out of Ben right now, we are filled with exuberance about what we're going to be speaking about today because we have discovered yet another gem. Well, okay, well, I mean, we might have discovered yet another gem. And we will get to that. First question of the day, Matt, is have you listened to last week's episode of Fourth Times the Charm? No, because I was under a lot of distress and on a vacation, so I listened to my audiobook. I just like to say that anytime I listen to Fourth Times the Charm on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and or Spotify, I am thoroughly enriched. I'm glad. I'm, I'm enriched by the experience of recording fourth time well, is a charm and, and 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 when i do listen i i am constantly surprised when i go man yeah i do enjoy listening to ben talk and then i and then i have to like grapple with enjoying myself because like i like if it's actually being funny i'm like i don't feel like i should laugh at this and yeah it's, 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 it's it strange, gets better strange vibe because like since i have to listen to it many times over yeah. i've gotten sort of past that the first few times I listen to myself, I'm like, wow, I sound like a hick. Really? You think you sound like a yeah. hick? Yeah. Nah. My inflections. <laughs> okay. the, way, the way you said, yeah, there was yeah. was pretty hicky. Yeah. And the older uh, you get, the more Kentucky you become. It, it, your Kentucky grows with your Afro. I, I feel like it sort of becomes like a like a protection shell from the outside world. Because it's like, in Los Angeles, everyone's unpleasant and hateful for the most part. So if you have a little gimmick that you can, like, do, the howdy, you know, when you're working with an agency or a client or someone, it just just cuts through a lot of it, you know? It makes things a lot easier. It's like, oh, this guy, this guy, stupid, this good. And then they're a lot nicer. This is like... like a horrific lens into like the myopic culture of LA. And I, that makes me so happy. Someone, I was out at dinner. I mean, it's, I it's at, less was, LA and, and more so ad sales. Yeah. It, cause it like, sounds terrible. Cause like, well, cause it makes just, sense to the guy I talked to who's in sales. Well, cause the, the thing with sales is that when you have people you're close with, they're they're really good right they're really good nice people that's great that's your core and you can ask a lot from them when it comes to people you really don't know well like you gotta have two or three lines to be hey look at me i'm not a threat you want to work with me before they just tune you out forever Mm. I, i see that approach i i think if i was in sales i don't know if i would take that approach but that might be my gimmick that says I'm like. Safe what would to your approach with. be, Matt? It might. It might. It if if my goal was to like not be ignored or forgotten, I think I might go with like 
overbearing kindness with like very sharp, decisive decision making. I mean, like, like very sure. demanding, but like overwhelmingly kind at the same time. I mean, yeah, that's what yeah. everyone strives for. Yeah, I, I, but you I gotta, assume... you gotta get your foot in the room though. Yeah, which is like me being like, I don't know, I don't know what I'd do. I'd have to I'd see have to... exactly. I but I Just wouldn't bastardize go your heritage. Bastardize your heritage, and it makes it easier. Matt, Close. who did you have dinner with that reminded you? Oh yeah, so I had dinner. I I went out to drinks. It wasn't really dinner, which was huh. uh we got a little too wasted this evening that evening. Um, but while I was talking to a gentleman about my experiences at DePaul, he said, "Man, you should have gone into film." And I said, "Man, I had a friend who went into film," and he goes, "Oh." So what does he actually do now? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, he works in sales. And the, what he, he looked at me and goes, you know what? I'm not, I'm not sure what you do, but I'd imagine that you would do really well in sales, but end up in film. And I believe that you'd have a friend who would do the exact opposite. And I just kind of looked at him and was like, I'm a teacher. And he goes, that works too. And then just kind of like shook his head. And then, and then he asked, and yeah, yeah, it's close. It's it, it's like acting, but for a very tight audience that is forced to be around you all the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because a lot, a, lot, a lot of, I mean, both of our jobs, a lot of both of our jobs is performance. It's yeah, it about really is. portraying like a character, portraying like a version of yourself that most acquires what you need. Well, knowing your audience as well. That's a big part. Well, it's of it. all about knowing. I mean, that's why we both wrote great papers. That's right. We know our audience. We Just like audience. we know our fourth times a charm audience because our biggest fan is Brennan. And if you would like to be our biggest fan, please use the code this week, which is Matt. Puppet. Puppet. All right. That we can do. Uh, well, while you were uh, incommunicado the last week, Matt, I took a look at my extensive game collection. And I was like, you know Ooh. what? I have all these games, and there's so many I haven't played through. Like, let's, like, actually try and get through some of these really obscure games. And so I tried doing that with the Vectrix 3D Imager. And oh. so I've played a lot more of the Vectrix 3D games. 3D Mindstorm is a okay. cheap ass motherfucking game. That's some bullshit. Why is it why why is it such a BS? Enemies spawn almost onto you, number 1. Number 2, one of the enemies you kill it and when you kill it, it fires a projectile directly at you. At Can like three times the speed of anything else in the level. So you can't really dodge it. You just have to shoot it also. Can you shoot while moving? Can you be like, shoot, move? Yes, but it, but it's like, imagine Resident Evil controls, kind of. Oh, so where like, like in order to actually line up a shot, you basically have to stand still. Yes. Yeah. Yikes. Oh, yeah. that sounds like a whole bundle of dicks. I, I mean, I mean, it's fine. It's a fine game. The real disappointment is 3D Crazy Coaster. Uh, which what? the point How? of 
the point of the game, it's a first person roller coaster game where you have to like lean into or out of the curves to try oh. and stay into the cart, which a okay. fantastic concept for an early 3D game, right? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a concept for a current 3D game. And I'm so upset because it does not work. It just did not have enough time in the oven. Like, you could tell these games were developed when they were going bankrupt. Yeah. Because, like, each of them are almost done, but they don't quite. So. it, It lacks its polish. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. What I did start playing, though, which I've fallen in love with, is a game. It's the game that Intelligent Systems, which is a subsidiary of Nintendo, developed after their magnum opus Super Metroid. So they did Super Metroid. What did they follow that game up with? Super Metroid 2. No. Super Metroid Reawakened. No, it's not a Metroid game. Well. <laughs> uh, Samus 151. It's Galactic Pinball for oh, the shit. Virtual Boy. What? So I think... I've, I've, I've had my Virtual Boy for a long time, but I, you know, it's a Virtual Boy. Like no yeah, one right. actually plays it. Yeah. But I see it as like, know you know what? what? A virtual Boy is, right? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm like, you know what? I'm actually going to like take this in you and have play to. this. You're you're yeah. taking the Seth Green approach to collecting. Seth Green is notorious for having a massive figure collection and everything's out of box and either glued to a wall display or like attached to like things that let him move it around and play with them. And collectors go to his house and weep. Cause there's like Yeah, that's how Minton card do- collecting is is a dead thing i i hate um like the gym mint 10 like professional collecting of video games like of like the consoles or of the of like uh, actual ver- of like any physical. Of okay i think it's really stupid yeah i mean i i, I agree with you it, it seems like i i can understand getting an action figure graded or even getting a comic graded because yeah. like books first like editions. like a comic is like 30 pages you know it's like there's really not that much in there so if you get a spider-man number one or whatever yeah you get it graded because it's like a nice presentation of the comic for a video game what the fuck are you doing getting it graded well the just like didn't have any scratches on it just play the fucking game, you know? Well, yeah, but, like, you got to make sure it's a perfect game. I mean, I agree. It's stupid. But, like, like I mean, that, you can you can kind of leverage that toward most yeah, art I, forms. Because, I mean, yeah, like, the I, box I mean, art is, like, a piece of art. Yes. The, the disc yeah. art is a piece of art. I mean, right. it really depends. But if it's, like... But I feel like intentionality also has something to do with it. Yeah. Well, it's, like, I don't... I would never collect whiskey... And I don't think I could ever actually get myself a wine collection because the reason I have those two things is to drink them. I don't want right. to like sit there and stare at something that's delicious and be like, I will never drink that. Yeah. I have very few things which I just like keep up boxed forever. And there are things yeah. where it's like, Did you collect there's no boxes? reason to open it. Like I have one of the, uh, the AEW 
figures, I have the Series 1, one of 500 Cody Rhodes figure. Sure. Ooh, That's a $2,000 figure. I, I'm not going to open that. He'll take twelve grand for it. Uh, yeah, I'd take twelve grand for it. Hell yeah, twelve grand cash right now. Cash, Venmo me, baby. <laughs> um, Venmo would tax you now. But anyway, Galactic yeah. Pinball. The people who made Super Metroid did this. Hell yeah. Physics are a little wonky, but it's in space, so it's okay. It's a, a very game. fun pinball game. Lots. It, it's it's a great mix between a regular pinball board but also having video game flourishes to it. Mm. The red, the depth of 3D is really cool because what they do is instead of focusing on depth using objects, they focus on negative space. Oh, interesting. So instead of filling the background with shit, they just have like three layers of stars in the background to convey okay. a sense of depth. And it works really well. That's so like just good. That's good 5D graphics really good the boards are all unique trying to beat alan's high score on cosmic who's alan? i'm not even close yet but i don't know it's whoever had the cartridge before okay me. But alan yeah. i'm i'm gunning for you motherfucker yeah fuck you alan i but like my, my favorite digital pinball experience was on my dad's old like windows laptop yep. and it yeah had it's a the built-in one that like yeah every yeah i played the fuck out of that like on like trips like we'd be on the airplane like going to like london or somewhere overseas and my dad would have his laptop and he'd be like this has got enough battery on it and i'd just sit there yeah and play pinball while i listen to audiobooks on cassette yeah the i i so i'm someone who's very guilty of this where i spend a lot of time just collecting stuff without actually playing it because it's like you know when you're able to get lots for like fifty dollars of fifty games. Oh yeah. It's like, okay, I gotta buy but now that games are so much more expensive, it's like, okay, well let's actually look at these. I'm gonna have a lot of fun. Uh real underrated game series. Have you ever played Metal Slug? Metal Slug. I don't believe it's like Contra, so. except the sprite artwork is gorgeous. It's a it's a run and gun game. It is beautiful oh. legitimately one of the most beautiful game franchises was this an arcade i've seen game yeah i, def- I got I played i've definitely seen the arcade game before yeah i got an amazon gift card and used it to get a neo geo mini international which has uh like 50 preloaded arcade games on it oh that's great and man it's so much fun it's got save states got everything it's it's amazing i still one day i, st- I still want to get like a full-size like race car game like like, oh, have, like, like, a, like an initial arcades d. yeah like like, a, like yeah. a game like initial d where like you're meant to like save your upgrades and like work your way through the harder races yeah which like was super hard to do when i went to nickel city as a kid because you had like i'd have like a 10 digit hand typed in code and i was like right i'm already dyslexic i don't need to be trying to remember this to play a racing car game so one of the uh so what one of if I got an arcade, and if it wasn't a Donkey Kong cocktail arcade, it would probably be a Neo Geo, because the this is one of the weird quirks of video games, man. The Neo Geo arcade hardware is very unique in that they essentially created two versions of the boards. They created the Neo Geo MVS, which is the arcade system, 
And then they created the Neo Geo AES, which was the home version. And they sold the arcade hardware, more or less, as a home console. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, like, I have a Neo Geo AES mm-hmm. here, and I have a few games for it. The problem is that Neo Geo AES games are substantially more expensive than the MVS games. <sighs> So, like, you can get Metal Slug for the arcade, the cartridge you slot into yeah. the arcade machine for, like, 75 bucks. It's, like, $600 for the home console. Sweet Jesus. How are yes. you playing it? So, I don't... I mean, I can't on the original hardware. I There are people who do consoleizations of the arcade hardware, mm. but that's, like, another $600. Yeah, that's, that's a service at that point. Yeah, so, like, I don't... I, I'm like, is this just the end of the line? Because they're gorgeous games, man. They're legitimate one-to-one arcade games. Yeah. But there's a really high startup cost to get in. Well, I know what you're bringing to the bachelor party. I only have one controller. That's okay. We can all sit around and pass it around in a circle. If if you guys want to get, if you guys want to collaborate together and spend $150 on a second controller... Nope. Then absolutely, we can play three count bout. We can I'm play. A, uh, can, do you, we do can you play have... Fatal Fury and Fatal Fury Special, and those joust? are the only. Th- oh, I also have Moto something, Moto GP. Ooh, that's what a it. Classic. Yeah. Well, what year did that come out? The Neo Geo. Yeah. I think nineteen ninety. Hmm. So imagine a contemporary of the Super Nintendo that has the 2D graphical capabilities of like the PlayStation 2. Oh shit. Okay. It can't it can't do 3D at all, but the 2D sprite work is essentially unparalleled. Especially for the time and the the type of device. I mean to this day, really. Oh, wow. It's like it's like the laser disc of video games. Yeah, where someone got so. it right once and then we just never did anything with it. It's just too niche. Yeah. Really. Well, here at Fourth Time's a Charm. Niche is neat. Niche is neat. Niche is neat. All right. Yeah, all right. I, bringing it in. Let's do, go even more niche. Fuck the 90s. We're going to the, we're going to the I think the UK and the Bronx sometimes in 1983. The UK. All right. Well, you know, Matt, I think it's time we go 5 stars under 50. Welcome to Five Stars Under 50, where Ben and I dive through the internet to find our underappreciated, unremembered, and hidden gems of, of Amazon Prime. This week, we're bringing you something real special, another anthology to go into our, our anthology series. Now, our last anthology series, our uh, film we watched, uh, was a fantastic uh, film called. Oh, are you expecting me to remember this? <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Um... <laughs> Hilarious. 
Boom. Hilarious. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the last. Time I wasn't it, sure if we watched one between hilarious and now. not that we we did. No, we didn't no, it. we did, but we didn't review it. What was that? Yeah. Cold Feet. No, Cold Feet was a, a full length film that I still think we should have talked about. But Ben no. Ben felt so so devoid of any feelings. I even watched that guy's other fucking movie. I watched I another wa- ninety <laughs> minutes of his content. In the anticipation of talking about it, and we still never have talked about it. Fully. I like. I woke up the next day and I did not remember. Well, there might have been other about re- it. Like, like when you first talked to me about it, I was like, "Yeah, but we didn't watch it. We just talked about watching it." And you're like, "No, we watched the whole thing." Yeah. And then I think like, you even got the DVD out and showed me, and I was like, "Yeah, there was, I a, was, ba- like, there was a bachelor party, and they were at an Airbnb." <sighs> Matt. At our, I know at our bachelor party. Can I, we recreate cold feet scene we, for scene? We need a ghost. We need cops or FBI agents with guns. And, and, and I think we got everything else we need. Can they be, can they be FBI cop luchadors? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The only problem is, is that collectively you and I have more personality than all of the actors in that movie did. So the tone's going to be off. So we're going to have to really tone it down. Take it. Oh, who steps down? But I, uh, I, this... a quick, quick aside, wow. man. I was, I was, I was looking for, um, I, I was looking for like a nice best man gift to get you for the wedding, mm-hmm. man. I, I got, I found the coolest thing. What is it? And it's just too fucking expensive. Oh, what is it? What is it? It's like it costs like thousands of dollars. Well, like yeah. I don't know, like I don't know if I'm gonna get you the like, like still good but not quite as good version. I don't know. Well, show me the good version, and then, then I can be like appropriately disappointed when you give me the worst one. No, <laughs> it's okay. I'll just I'll just tell you what it is. This okay. is okay. This is great for sure. Yeah, it is great for I don't I'm fucking care. No one else listens to this. You yes, don't we, listen to the podcast, Matt. I do when huh? I'm on it. If you if you guys actually listen this far into the podcast, message us the code I was here. And if you don't, we know you didn't make it to this point. You yeah, know what? Yeah, if you if you do Wow, you just got if, a lot brighter. Yeah, if you do, I will send you a um I got a I got a bag of shit here. Oh, 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 what's in the bag? Oh shit. I'll send you this free Papa Shango micro brawler. Dude, whoa. It's Papa I might, Shango. I, I might have to message you to win that. I mean it's free. Better not I be like Nick. Free. Nick it doesn't count. Nick doesn't listen to the podcast. He's a tool. Kyle does. Hey, Shout Kyle. out to Kyle. Shouts out to Kyle. Yeah, Kyle, your mic quality's garbage, but at least you listen. Kyle, I'm sorry. Your mic quality is kind of garbage. It is pretty awful. I don't even know uh, how. Okay. So anyway, Matt, uh, how well do you know your history of 1973's Wicker Man? Somewhat. Okay. I'm scared now. <sighs> no, nah, I'm not going to tell you. Oh, come on. No. You know it's my fave. Cause I I'll, I'm probably I'll probably do like the the less good version as like a 
as like a birthday or a Christmas thing. Well, now now you now I'm going to look up all of the best collectibles. Do you really want me to tell you that? You don't not really. you don't Okay, well I'm not going to tell you, so don't look it up. Maybe I'll maybe I'll edit it in here. Yeah, and so then I'll I see if you actually listen to the episode. I do it, do it. I dare you. It's f- all right. We're we're here today to talk about Scream Time from 1983 slash 1986. Conflicting year reports on that on the internet. Totally 1983. Uh, it is an anthology series of three short films that were made by Michael Armstrong and Stanley A. Long. Uh, we went by a stage name, but that stage They collectively has... went by the stage name Al Beresford. Which they... doesn't actually show up on, on IMDb. Yeah. So they combined three short films they did previously and linked them together with a fourth short film. Very uh, old school Disney-esque. Yeah. And, well, and, uh, and it's, it's interesting because, I mean, and there's a bloody disgusting article that kind of talks about... Um, what type of um, anthology film this is because it's, it uses the example of creep show, but an example that we've talked about many times here on fourth and is ABCs of death one and two. And those are purpose built anthologies where each film was made just for it and just got, just got put together into one big thing, which I think leads to a lot more disparaging quality and tone. Um, where this and our other favorite, Hilarious, um, are, as I think the, as I believe the article puts it, like Frankenstein anthologies. Yeah, Frank- Frank anthologies. Yeah, but fuck them. We're better than that. Frankenstein anthologies. Um, Mary Shelley-thologies. 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 Um, yeah, she- okay. this is a Shelley-thology. Um, and I, I genuinely think that actually serves this film really well. Especially because the the structure that they made to fit all these together actually kind of pays off that story. Yeah, like the, it's it's a very clever concept for a movie. The concept is that these two ragamuffins steal three movie VHSs in Brooklyn. They're in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Are they in the they Bronx? Go to, they go to a friend's house and they watch all three of them, and eventually, the movies kill them, more or less. Yeah, well, um, they're they're punished for their sins and for him not believing in fairies. Yes. Um, so let's... so we 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 have we really have three main short films here. Um, Matt, overall, what did you think of this collection? I really liked it. Um, I was of all of like the the trashy like 80s 70s uh films that were put out during this time like so uh this was made by a company called manson international um which eventually got bought by today's orion films um but it they they've released i've seen a couple of their films on you know sadly enough before this one and it's your typical like either they just so happened to get a great deal on a movie to, to release like gone in 60 seconds, the 1974 version. Um, or, you know, sometimes they release a movie that we tried to watch and couldn't get through, uh, which was a movie called blood feast, uh, which is a 1963 splatter film. 
Man, uh, I forgot that one even. Yeah, uh, it's so knowing that it was one of those kind of movies, and it was you see the cover and you know if if you've watched a lot of films from the eighties, especially these international ones, it really pulled it off. The 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 kind of Bronxian like third third per, third view that they designed to show their movies is interesting enough it's like it actually isn't a live thing like the characters aren't just vampant um and it did a lot that surprised me it was surprisingly thoughtful um especially the first short um which aren't named in the movie no um but the first one well they, one of them is one the of la- them, yeah. the last one is well i guess they all no, are it's... but they just don't say them no i don't because they're think on the... they're on the vhs covers yeah, but the the weird thing is is that in the in the script and what they wrote for the film, the third movie was called um, "Do You Believe in Fairies," but in the movie and in the advertising for it, they called that short film "Honeymoon Garden Blood of Bath. Blood." No, Garden of Blood. Yeah, but it was He's... also in the ads for the film called "Honeymoon Bloodbath." Okay, well. Well, that one doesn't make any sense then. Um, the first one's called Puppet Massacre. What a great name! Yeah. Um, so yeah. So these three, I think. Yeah. So and what? What were your general thoughts? I genuinely, I liked it. I was surprised. I, I had a good time. The middle part's a little draggy, but we'll talk about it. I thought it was okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Solid. I, I thought. I thought. I thought the first short was very clever and was like three or four steps away from being like lunch ladies good sure I, so 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 like it was a ways there but like i i saw it going in that direction mm. uh just didn't quite get there um the second short would have been amazing if it was about 10 minutes shorter maybe yeah that more. well I, I, I felt that that one kind of sat with me. Dreamhouse, which is, I think, much more like a psychological kind of tension builder. Very like, it, it reminded me of The Shining. And uh, the third uh, the, the third short, uh, it didn't really do much one way or the other for me. I, I, the, I didn't mind it, but I felt it, it felt like the third. Sure. I, well, I yeah. think. For me, for me, do you believe in fairies? The last, the last one is the short that is endemic of why the movies that we now love from this era are movies that have the exact same premise as that short, but then take it to like an absurd, hilarious level, like Night of the Demons. Yeah, like if you Night of the Demons, do you believe in fairies? Which I think they kind of get. Like, I could see how those movies might have been influenced by a movie like this because, like, the way the two grandmothers are, like, some of the setting and stuff that's happening in that short are, like, you just hyperfixate on those parts and then you get really entertaining, ridiculous horror movies. Yeah. I feel, like, I feel like if the runtime of this whole thing was, like, an hour ten, mm. it would have been a much stronger package um sure, that's not saying I, it's bad yeah i thought i thought it was good i thought it was solid not a runaway success but i i put in like the charnel house scale yeah area. I, I i yeah i agree it's it's charnel house adjacent when it yeah. comes to like its type of quality 
Um, but the the but, acting the acting was good across the board. Yeah, yeah, A- acting was pretty strong across the board. Let's start at the top. Right. Um, we have our opening scene where uh, Matt, did you know this was a Vince Russo? <laughs> Vince Russo movie because one of oh, the no. two guys who sealed the tapes, his name is Vince Russo. Holy shit, that's awesome! Russo mania continues. Never, uh, but anyway, any- so so Vince any- Russo and Matt Caliccio uh, <laughs> steal a bunch of videotapes, <laughs> and then they, uh, the then they start watching the first one, which uh, here is labeled as well, Killer uh, Punch. Oh, which is also called um, Puppet Massacre, and that's the way you do it. Well, one of these is not like the others. Um, <laughs> I will, but I will say, hold on, before we move on, I do want to talk about that intro. Okay. Because um, I, that was the time when when I said I turned this on, the audio kicks in and there is a constant buzz that doesn't <laughs> go away. And I was I was folding laundry, watching this with my headphones in, so I had my I had like my ear in ear earplugs, and I was like, I don't fucking know if i can watch this movie well but Matt, like, when they accidentally forget to record the audio yes okay but it felt super intentional it was great because it it's to, okay so i in my head i was like i have to like i'm gonna like this movie let me critically analyze the things that were probably mistakes as, I, I was as, i was trying to do the same thing okay and i, I got was, it yeah i got it so so this I, intro is like an avant-garde expression so they they cut it all the they cut out the audio because it's not important. Yeah, they they cut out the extraneous the, dialogue yeah. because the only important thing, yes, it's like a distillation of using the uninflected shots, but this time incorporating dialogue into it also. You yeah. get rid of the extra dialogue except for the one piece of dialogue where he's exclaiming at them, which is why they have to leave the store because they were caught. It's yeah, and, it's like and, translating it's a him, silent film. Yeah into into a short yes i also made incredible. these mental gymnastics and, and Matt. it's it's great they're they're fun we did it our entire series on bray Wyatt was all of that and it's it's cool though because the 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 punishment or the authority figure that is angry about their actions comes comes to full full fruition they get their comeuppance their just desserts are had well i guess That's right. his his just desserts are had um so, so yeah and then, a, and then there's a gratuitous tit shot for no reason yeah there really is well it's a horror it's movie a, it's from, 80s from also, the 80s also i i did learn that uh man mason films and both uh one of the producers uh no directors uh what's his name yeah stanley a long and michael armstrong were popular for for making what at the time were referred to as sex trip movies um, which were combinations of soft and hardcore pornography that were released to the public and usually sold at places where you would take trips. Nice. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to, it's hard to find a lot of information on the term sex trip movie, but it is the in-term vernacular. Well, we open up with Killer Punch, which is the story of it's like it's like a budget puppet master it is six I, years before puppet master this is the inspiration for puppet master it really felt like you. the inspiration for puppet master like well, the, and it had some tremendously good shots yeah like, i thought this was the strongest of the three shorts super. by a wide margin this is the lunch I, ladies yeah it really is um i 
there's a lot to like here. The the general conceit of it is that it's an older man married to his older wife, and they have a stepson. Uh, and they have a stepson who's near adult age, and he's rebelling against them. And he's named uh, the, Damien, which is very apropos. Yeah, named Damien. The stepfather is struggling to make ends meet as a puppeteer, which is like his hobby he cares a lot about. Well, it's not, it's not his hobby. It's his fucking life. This is well, like, yes. they do a lot to establish that. Yes, this is very Andre Toulon of him. Yeah, he, he is fully committed to working with these puppets. He even early in the film says like, like he like mutters in this like dark, very again surprisingly well done cinematically speaking well he's like he's like it's almost like they're a part of me and then he keeps cleaning the figures after arguing with his wife who is desperately trying to get him to quit um but what i think is fascinating is at the beginning of the film we actually get the punch and judy performance we see him actually perform with the dolls and do the voices Mm -hmm. um which i think is a very like is a right way to present this kind of movie, which you don't really get in Puppet Master. Puppet Master opens straight with the, like, there's some evil, wacky shit going on with these puppets. You never get, like, the one of the biggest things missing, especially when you rewatch the original Puppet Master, is the lack of puppet show. And, yeah, uh, that's actually me, a good point. Like, this actually, like, shows them being used as puppets. Like, the puppets in Puppet Master have been, like, spies, have fought demons... But they've never been puppets. They've never actually been fucking puppets. Like, maybe, like, hanging there being like... They're like... But they've never actually puppets. In this movie, the puppets are actually puppets. Yeah. The the inciting incident of this is while at one of his puppet shows, his stepson uh, attacks the puppet stand and sets it ablaze. Uh, which destroys the stand, but he's able to recover all the puppets but one, uh, which was thrown into the beach, which they did not point give any attention to when it no, happened. But it serves as a great follow-up to later when the stepson, all by himself, is brutally bludgeoned on the beach and murdered by an unknown assailant. And it's it's fascinatingly done because the story kind of does follow the 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 narrative of punch and judy the puppet show because punch and judy is like an actual they're like characters from from like folklore um and like the the notion of like an arguing husband and wife and like the the disparate inability for like a child to accept what a parent is doing is like very appropriate to this kind of story and they really pull it off. There's actually a lot of like emotional, like well, we learn a lot about these characters, even in just a short amount of time we have with them. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to what I think is the real, like, like, mwah, PS to resistance shot in this. Okay. Is it, is it um, the trash can? It's right before the trash can. Okay. Um, oh but yeah. I, the artsy scene. Yeah. But I, what, what I really enjoyed was that, everyone is kind of an asshole in this short. Yeah. Um, I don't which, know. The, the dad really isn't. But like... And I mean, until he is. But but see, I think that that's only because we pick it up midway through. I feel like if we saw what built up to this, it would be like, oh, I get it. Like, yes, this is his fault. 
because I don't know. I I don't think anything justifies Damien crashing his no, show. No, nothing justifies dolls. nothing justifies Damien. Okay, but I feel like the fact they're responding so intensely suggests there's other shit we're not made privy to. Yeah, well, and like, like it's it's, it's, it's ugly. Yeah, it's ugly. Like, in a good it, way, in a human way. Yeah, yes, that's what I was going to say. It feels a lot more human than most shorts, and I really appreciate that. Um, but that's, that's what I personally really appreciated about the what the filmmakers did with the two characters from the Bronx. Like, you can see that they have this, like, deep passion for making characters feel realized. Yeah, Because um, across all these, despite, like, the engagement level or, like, entertainment level of the shorts, these two filmmakers have a real understanding of making characters in the world feel alive none of these yeah. worlds, none of these movies even the like crappy bronx accent section of the movie where they go you know this movie's british because of the way they talk um which is my favorite line in the whole fucking movie but it's like deeply committed to the character and the girl like goes on her date gets ready like that that the narrative that exists outside of these shorts stays alive the whole movie yeah they if these guys have a strength, it's creating characters yeah. in a short time. If they have a flaw, it's uh, death scenes. <laughs> they have a really hard time hitting people or stabbing people I and making it fir- look good. The death scene of the wife in this movie is pretty good. Yeah, the the first one has the best deaths out of all of them. Mm-hmm. As it goes on, it gets sloppier and sloppier and then you just have a little person who's like sort of hogging someone it's like that's a death right yeah they fell over they fell over uh the first one's the best uh so after the son doesn't turn up not sure he has a a great argument with his girlfriend he does have a, a solid argument with his girlfriend um he dies they're wondering where I he think, is. I think he gets killed by a dog. No. But the, the, no, he's just... no, the dog's barking at the assailant. Okay. Yeah. And it's okay. actually and it's actually hinted who it is because the dog's angled up instead of low oh. to the ground, which is where the puppet would be. Oh, no spoilers. Uh the the wife then at home, she turns up dead, and the husband the puppeteer mm-hmm. calls for i guess it's a coroner or a private investigator yeah it was someone real... with a position of power to but they weren't uh, even like they weren't a cop and investigate like, yeah. yeah it was strange that was a weird scene they they kind of they kind of fumbled that one yeah and uh he tries to ask him what should be done and lo and behold he is attacked by the puppet oh and the puppet is attached to his arm. He's actually the one killing everyone. Oh my god! But they god. do. They have these great shots where the puppet is kind of just like on its own doing the killings. Like when it's right, attacked, we're like, like we're, it's we're like the area. Yeah, where the area around the puppet's obscured, so you just see the puppet in darkness as it's, but it's killing. Holding, and it's holding the big stick, and they yeah like, before the was, reveal. And it gives I, actually a lot of character to the puppet itself as I, it's murdering. I wish they used a different weapon than a wooden board. But that's what that's what the character that's what the puppet uses in the play. Yeah, okay. And he uses a I little guess, wooden I guess board. That's, I guess that's, that's, fair. that's why. That's yeah. in like that's part of the Punch and Judy story. Right, right. Um, 
But yeah, so after he dies, the maniac puppeteer then goes after the uh, the the girlfriend yeah, yeah, of the she deceased comes, son because well, she finds and, their and, bodies. Yeah, she comes and, to the and, house and this looking is, for him. And, and this is actually the reveal of him being the one killing them, not yeah, the puppet. At, at so the last point, two kills point, are perceived to be the puppet. And then it's only when she knocks on the door and he answers all bloody that we know that it's him who's killing them, which I thought yeah. was a very good fake out. Well, and they even have the scene where he like goes and looks like the, the, the old man leaves the room to go and look for the bad guy. And then, and then the monster and then the puppet kills the wife. And then he comes back right. and he's like, Oh no. Like he just stares at the corpse kind of uninflected. He's just kind of like, Hmm, dead wife. Right. And it's really strange. Yeah, the so the dude's totally lost it. He chases the woman down the neighborhood. And I got to say, Matt, if you're trying to get yourself killed, you do exactly what this girl did. Yeah, she I mean, she really run in works. a straight line. Don't close any doors behind you. Don't lock any doors. Surround yourself by empty aluminum cans yeah go to an industrial park safety step go to an no, industrial she do- park she does close the gate at the industrial park but she doesn't lock it she just pushes it like there's Loudly. a lock there and she looks at it and walks away there's like five guys there and she doesn't scream for help she doesn't do anything she's just well, silently hiding it's so weird they either forgot to shoot him pushing like because like the what the first metal can that goes near her just does it on its own there's nothing for yeah. there's no reason it happens it just kind of i didn't s- mind that i i was like i was like was it the I, well my thought was like was it the puppet is the puppet real yeah like i thought I, they were I, double faking us here i that's yeah i thought it was like a triple fake in that yeah. respect but the uh the, the end of the short comes when he is battling with her on top of, what is it, a trash compactor? Well, it's, it's like it's like a walkway above a, yeah, a trash compactor. Or, or, like, or like a wood chipper? No, no, it's a trash compactor. It's definitely not trash a wood compactor. chipper. Trash okay. compactor. Because you see him fold and the feet go up. Right. So, it's uh, like, yeah, it's like the back of a dumpster. Or like and, a, um, and right a as truck. she grabs the upper hand and he's about to fall to his doom, He's, he thinks of a shot of his puppet show with the puppet getting eaten and killed by the serpent. And I think that this was like in the mouth of madness levels of storytelling yeah, where it's... in his final moments he realized that, ah, he's in a story. Which is... Yeah, he psh- like just... He like disassociated back into the puppets. Not that he disassociated back into the puppets. I think that as he's dying, he realizes, oh, I haven't been under my own agency. Like, like I am in a short film or I am being, I'm being used by a higher power that's guiding me to do these things. That's how I interpreted it. That's how I can interpret it. Earlier we did mental gymnastics. This time you did like mental rocket science. <laughs> okay, well, explain to me then why why they would have that shot in there because it because it's because it's, it's a metaphor for what's happening within him and it's like showing that just like he is realizing the story that he made because like in the story of like he recreated his stage play by killing them with a stick like his puppet would because he he felt like he was his puppet. And he was having a mental mental disassociation 
where he was breaking and becoming that the character that he played because it, it, the rest of his life was destroyed. So his sense of self was destroyed by by his wife leaving him and his son attacking him and his stage thing getting destroyed. And so in response to that, he goes and kills everybody by becoming the character from the play. And in the performance, the puppet hits everybody in the head with a piece of wood. And then as he's grappling with this person like he was in real life, he has a moment of reflection of the story that's happening in him and realizes that his character is going to get destroyed. And like kind of basically succumbs to his death, but has to rationalize it in his own mind like the character because the way he's disassociating to commit the crimes is by putting himself in the headspace of Punch, the character but, and the puppet that he loved. But can we pretend the? Can we pretend that the other thing also counts? Yeah. No. No. Totally. Totally. Like that's a. It doesn't not count. It does. Yeah. With with what happens in the other two movies where the magic is real, it's totally legit. Well, okay. Yeah, I think the magic's. Go. I think the magic's only real in the third one. I think there the middle. Go. I think the middle. Yeah, the middle one is a fucking blur. Let Let's talk about the second one. Oh, um, but yeah, but first we cut back to our boys in the Bronx. Yeah. Oh, that movie was British. Oh, you want to have sex? Let's watch another short film. Great. And then she changes for her date because she's still going on a date. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she doesn't have sex until in between the second and third movies. Yeah, that that's afterwards. That's when they're in bed before the third one ends. And Good the guy, them. the guy sitting on the couch alone, like me and you, at, a, at an event with a bunch of people. <laughs> Damn right. Every, everyone slowly leaves, and then we're still there. Like fairies aren't real. The next short we have on deck is Dreamhouse or Screamhouse, depending on who or where you look. Oh, it's, uh, it's it's also Garden of the Walking Dead. Wouldn't that be the? Yeah, uh, okay. I no, guess. that is this one. It, it it works. Yeah, it works for both actually uh yeah kind yeah 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 yeah. yeah. um this is a pretty simple short where uh a young couple enter a house that's being renovated by uh the male's parents Mm -hmm. and the woman there starts having strange visions of brutal murders happening throughout the house and that that's really that it slowly escalates as it goes on the best way to describe this movie to me is like what became of the modern like possession poltergeist movie like the like the um what are the 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 lorraine and the annabelle verse yeah those movies the warrens yeah the war the modern warren verse movies which are basically this um but ramped up times 10 because it has the same plot it has the same kind of like build up and then it goes for the kind of like hereditary ending where it's like oh i guess she was just crazy so the payoff to this one is very good uh they get a psychic her, she brings in a psychic yeah she brings in a psychic who's of no help uh eventually the visions get so bad that she witnesses a full-on massacre in the house happening around her and she passes out and is sent to an institution because she can't handle it. Um, but we find out what her vision was leading to. They sell the house and the next owners 
happen to be the people she was imagining. So as soon as they enter the house, the murder happens exactly as how yeah. she foretold with a handily placed newspaper telling us a uh, serial killer has just escaped. Oh my God. I really think there is like an incredible, super fucking tense, like deeply psychological version of this movie um, where like this, this part of the movie is the first like 40 minutes. And then yeah, the, I, last, I feel like the, the last 25 to 30 is like a hard switch. I feel like the first half of the movie would be the visions. Then yeah. the second half of the movie would be trying to stop whatever the end is like with her, like the fragments you have. Yeah. So it'd be like getting out of the institution, getting there, stopping it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, you have like it, a scene where she's like getting carted away and like the husband is yeah. like there with the family and he has like this moment where like one of the kids like is like riding their bike on the front lawn, and he's like, "Wait, what?" And they're like, "What do you mean?" They're like, "Oh, I, something my my wife said before she broke. You know, she used to see a kid riding around in the front yard on a bike, and then it you know goes from there." Yeah, it, that's one of the. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's and, that's. I liked it. Yeah, it was I, too long. I had to watch it twice. I'm gonna be real, because I I watched the first everything up till about the first like five minutes of this movie. First like three minutes of this short, I was like, oh, I'm in. And then this short started, and I was like, man, I should I could open Civilization Six right now. I'll keep watching. Yeah, it was and then, a like I had to like I had to like, go back, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna fuck. It was a slow burn. The build is really nice. If they cut like ten minutes out of this, it would have made it better. It's, yeah, it's a tremendous um, concept. It's 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 one well, of those. Well, like the, there's not a lot of conflict in it because she sees things happening, but like it's not actionable, and her husband is more or less supportive. Yeah, which is which is always weird in the in the ghost genre like the anytime you're doing like super par- supernatural paranormal stuff and you have a family member who's like no i understand like i think we can get you help i'm gonna support what you're doing they either have to like turn out to be evil themselves or or they just get murdered by the ghost really early yeah and, like i mean i don't advocate happen. having them not believe because i think that's also just a, a stupid infuriating plot line yeah, but like it's, it did it's, take it's a, it took a lot of the drama out because it's like okay well we know nothing's happening to you yeah you're fine but like i i feel like it could have been structured differently to avoid that but i think the payoff was still very good yeah i, I it's it's a great idea yeah it, it's editing and and a little bit of pacing but this is this is the shell of a fantastic film that isn't realized. Um, and then we have our third interstitial, where one of the two guys has sex, and the other guy Ben and Matt's it. And yeah, we uh, tell our girlfriends, yeah, it's okay, you go to bed. Yeah, and and instead we watch Garden of Blood, where or a motocross rider. Or needs honeymoon money. Death. Yeah, a motocross uh, rider needs money for an upcoming meet 
to repair his bike. And he's so kinda, he takes he's up... kind of a low life. Yeah, and he takes up an extra job uh, at this mystical house run by these two kind elderly women. And they tell him the story of the oldest caretaker of the house who made a deal with the fairies that they would hide all of her lovers so long as they were able to take their souls and enslave them for all of eternity once she was done with them. And she's like, you know, yeah, that's fine. That's cool. And this is, this is, I'm going to be real. I think the first movie, the first short is better than this one. But as, as for reasons, I'm sure you can tell from watching this. And as our fans probably know, I loved this one. This one had like a charm and like I loved the guy who played the main character and his friends. And there was a certain kind of like brash frilliness to it that just like really hit for me. Like the when he meets the scene where he's in the house for the first time and he's like sunk back in the chair and they're like they sit without like they blink too much and talk directly into the camera with like the Yeah and Yes. Yeah, they they tell him the story of the house and he's like, "Yeah." Yeah, he's just chilling. So, he's uh, like, "Where's that window?" Yeah, it's all the the tension, the awkward tension, which I think in a, in like in a like last house on the street would have been incredibly obnoxious and really obviously falsely done. This one felt really genuine, especially I think the the performance of the two old women. The two older yeah. actresses. The two the two really elderly women in it. this like really crushed it. Uh but I mean once again all the acting was good, honestly. Yeah. I but thought this... Gavin, who's the main character, yeah. he was he was really good. The acting in this might have honestly been the best acting out of all three. Yeah. There those two I think are three old are three old people actors. Um the two women in this one and the old man in the first short are the three best performances across the entire thing. I think followed forth by the 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 wife Susie in the second special. Mm. Um and cuz she does a decent job. I mean, she's playing she like fine. a lady kind of going crazy and that's easy to not do bad. Unless you watch the movie Knocking. Now that is a tremendous insanity performance. We don't talk we don't talk about that one again. Knocking was one of our best five stars movies in retrospect. Yeah, not yeah, yeah, not talking about that. Um but but yeah, I uh I I thought this was a cute short. I don't feel like it lived up to its potential as much as the others. Yeah, well I the... I, I wanted to like this more. It basically Gavin ends up he sees where the money is and yeah. he wants the money. So they break into the elderly women's house and they, at and they, night. And they make a point of saying that the the fair like they give like which is cool to me they give the actual like old english interpretation of fae where they're like evil violent creatures who toy and play with humans for their own entertainment right and uh as they're trying to take the money the fairies essentially have their way with him so uh he is apprehended by the uh, ghost of the original caretaker and so he's enslaved for all eternity uh i think one of his friends escapes and the other one is choked out by a by a garden gnome 
Yeah, the gnome kills one. I th- I believe the other guy gets away, but they don't really resolve it. And then, they didn't. They didn't resolve it, but I mean, I mean, he left the house, so maybe the gnomes got him. The gnomes were in the yard. There were a lot of fucking gnomes. I mean, I think they're supposed to be fairies, but they only had gnomes on hand. Well, no, they said the gnomes are real. She said, "Oh, I saw the gnomes." And she, oh, oh, you're right. Like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. In, even in like fey lore in like old English, gnomes are like assistants who like do jobs. Like, so if you were going to actually have something done, you'd probably use the gnomes to accomplish the goal, to fuck with the people. Yeah. Uh, seeing a little person as the gnome trying to choke the dude out, pretty fucking funny. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, there was no way around that, man. Vince McMahon knows what's up. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was fine. I, I don't, it, it could have been a lot better. It could have been well, a lot worse. Like, like the first, like the, like the second movie. Or no, I mean, I actually not mind. Look, like we said before, this movie is exactly what it needs to be. But if it had just gone five times more ridiculous, yeah. Um, this movie like the I, granny, like that, take yeah. this kind of concept and just turn at, like, take take the the funness of the old ladies at the beginning. And the fact that the midget, sh- the little person shows up and chokes the guy unconscious instead of it being the garden gnomes we saw. If you like hard committed to that bit, like having like people show up as these mystical things, but realized and to have them actually do things, it would have been incredible. Um, it would have been, it would have been like a, it would have been a, um, um, killer cart. This could have mm, been a killer yeah. cart. If you had like hard committed to the like over the topness, but played it with the same tone. Yeah. I wish these directors, I wish that they did more. Yeah. They, this. Cause they really did. It. Cause like you can tell that they're in the right place, mm-hmm. but it just, it, it just didn't quite sync up. And I checked their IMDb history. It don't really have anything extensive well, after the, this the the steve stanley a long produced this in 83 and then the, he didn't do anything until 2007 where he produced a single episode of television right which that doesn't count yeah and i don't even know how the hell that ha- like what like it, it probably it probably means he was a producer like he's a talent ago, manager they, or something like hmm. that i these are the people who i genuinely want to know like what they're doing because this was the last if they, thing if they only get like directed. one or two producer credits on like an episode of tv i think that means that they're in like casting or producing or, or not producing yeah. uh a talent management or they're a talent agent something like that i not a hundred percent not all the time but like you know my old boss was uh yeah he always he always longed for you know the days that it would you know he would come back to producing. Oh, and then he'd feel like he was powerful again. Well, I don't know about that. I, you got I, a friend I, him on Facebook, Matt. It's it's the funniest fucking follow. I, I have to. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, while we were talking, I was looking at some of uh, Stanley A. Long's other films, and let me tell you, this man had a great cinematography career. The swappers. The uh, no, these are all in the seventies. He was oh, a cinematographer 70s. from fifty eight to seventy four, then never did cinematography again. 
probably died. A lot of them, a lot of them were porn. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure this dude died. Oh, he died in 2012. Oh, so oh, so he, so he was still he was still doing this, but he did a lot of uh, a lot of porn. A lot of I'm a groupie. A bored teenage girl decides that she wants to meet rock stars. It's it's atrocious, <laughs> but like I get why these like, like the 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 line between like exploitation and sexploitation mo- movies and horror at this time was like very thin. Like there's yeah. there's an entire like horror exploitation porn subgenre that existed in the 80s and the 70s especially in the 70s and the 60s that i think we only we only really ever saw done to the point where the horror really worked in in a film like the last house on the left like the original west craven one um which is genuinely like a graphic horror horror film but it's also a sexploitation movie at the same time right where movies like naughty and bread and adventures of a taxi driver are not really representative of what that genre could be right uh just to wrap it up we have our final um stitch together scene where a ghostly arm reaches out to clutch our main character by the throat and then in the bedroom the man post coitus is beaten to death by a puppet by punch and oh and punch, he gets choked yeah. out by an old dead hand that's the other guy oh yeah that's the other guy yeah that's the other guy uh Which and that closes amazing. us out and uh that matt is uh scream time 1983 scream time so ben what is your official five stars under 50 rating here um my unweighted score which isn't my final score is a three out of five. So that your your gut reaction, not in the context of the five stars under fifty universe. Yeah, I'm I'm like if I'm just reviewing it in the five stars under fifty universe, I'd give it a three and a half. Okay. I I I feel like. So this you're I, I wish this these guys on... just got more reps in, and I wish that like. I wish I could have seen this down the line for them you know yeah like if their careers had continued yeah i really want to see what they could have done yeah i think i think i give this probably about the same rating as i give hilarious um actually a little bit lower i gave hilarious we i gave hilarious a 3.75 okay and i think yeah, it's like a three and a half as well i think on the five star scales like substantially better than cold feet substantially better than familiars which i don't even remember watching but we both gave it a one no. out of five no i de- looks like we familiars? only watched part of this then dove out oh we stopped <laughs> I... watching it we literally okay. quit we gave it we one gotta out of make five a different color designation if we didn't actually like yeah i i will hold on let me let me fix that real quick i will make it uh neon that yellow. and cold feet as well no cold feet we actually watched we just didn't talk about on air it counts okay fine we're talking about it right now cold feet it wasn't very good i gave it a two out of five no okay bread bread ellis and alan guard made a deeply confusing movie i don't think they know how i think it's like a weird reflection on them not knowing how people actually act with each other 
and they try to go for this over the top, like borderline idiotic, like satirical level of humor, but they don't realize that they're the joke, even though they're trying to make a joke, but they're the ones we're laughing at. We're not laughing with them, which to me has its own charm, even though it's fucking awful, but it's like cold feet is a movie. I might try to make everyone on the bachelor party watch. Like, 4 a.m., 12 beers deep, like, we throw on cold feet, and we all watch a movie about a bachelor party gone awry. Talk about getting cold feet. I'm getting cold oh. feet about doing that. Oh, 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 oh. So, so you want me to tell your, your fiancé that you're getting cold feet? About watching the movie Cold Feet? More than happy for you, too. Okay. Man, the film selection for that bachelor party is going to be very important. If you have a recommendation... For Ben's bachelor party for a film we have to watch with a bunch of people who don't listen to this podcast. And so, boy, will they not be ready. Let us know. And if you do listen to this podcast. (laughs) And if you listen to it two times and three times. Well, I hope you listen again next week. Cause the fourth time's the charm. Good night and good morning. Please let us know your scores of the movie.